Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. WTPN Pinellas Park. Doing what God wants often involves not doing what I want. This leads to a clash of wills. Somebody once said, before we can pray, your kingdom come, we have to be willing to pray, my kingdom go. We're going to see that kind of submission in Elijah's life in today's message from the book of 1 Kings entitled, The Lesson of Submission. This is surely something we all need to hear and learn every day of our lives. You're listening to Verse by Verse Radio, a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Our Bible teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff. Here's Pastor Steve with today's message from God's Word. Elijah needed to know that God was alive. Think about what life would be like at that brook. I mean, we've got to take ourselves out of the 20th century. And you've got to put yourself in Elijah's place. And you've got to put yourself in the, back in 1 Kings 17. What would that brook be like? No other humans. No social interaction. No newspapers. The Jerusalem Post wasn't flown in daily. Ravens took food in. They didn't take the newspaper. The Tel Aviv Tribune wasn't there. No television. No radio. Nothing but water from a brook and food flown in by ravens to eat. That's it. That's it. And I don't think he was there just a few days. We're not told specifically how long, but it it must have been considerable length of time because it had to be time enough for the brook to dry up. Every day it was the same. No humans, but only God to fellowship with. Don't you think Elijah got to know the Lord? Don't you think that that what he had proclaimed to Ahab became experiential truth for him? As the Lord God lives, I know he lives. And every time he drank from that brook, and every time the ravens flew in that food, don't you think he was reminded constantly, the God of Israel is alive. He's alive. And every day that Elijah lived was just one more demonstration That the God of Israel lived. Now some of you may be beside your own brook these days. God has sovereignly placed you there. You're out of the spotlight. You'd like to have a ministry. You'd like to be perhaps teaching somewhere. You'd like to be involved in something that you really feel like you're accomplishing something. But you're not. God has taken you aside and and he's hidden you, so to speak. And he's done it because he wants to communicate to you lessons that he couldn't communicate or wouldn't communicate if you were out in the spotlight. He needs you to sit by your own brook, not necessarily a literal brook, but the, but the, the brook of seclusion that he has for you and he wants to teach you and he wants to train you. He's got his own unique brook Bible Institute for you to be enrolled at. 
And it's all part of your training to go through these times of private instruction before you can have an effective public ministry. But you say, wait a minute. I know my theology. I don't need to be trained anymore. Elijah knew his theology, too. He was great on theology. He says, the Lord God of Israel lives. What better theology is that? In a day of apostasy, especially. You say, but I already have boldness. What do I need to be trained? I have courage. Elijah had courage and boldness. So you don't walk up to the palace of Ahab and Jezebel and speak like this without some courage. You say, but look, I've got the right motivation. I've got the right desires. I want God to be glorified in my ministry. Elijah did, too. He was willing to, to put his whole reputation on the line for God's glory. But still, God put him aside, put him in seclusion 101, because the Lord wanted him to get to. He wanted Elijah to get to know him deeper and deeper and deeper. These aren't wasted years if you're secluded. And maybe you were secluded a while back, years ago, and, and you need a refresher course. There's no age limit to this. These aren't wasted years. These are secluded years. We live in a busy world. We've got Christians who want to get busy for God. We hear that. Busy for God. And do this and do that. And what they really need is to hide themselves. Let the Lord hide them in his own time, in his own place. Hide for a while. Let the Lord instruct them. Now, we're not saying there isn't a time where you serve the Lord. We're not, we're not saying that, that we're not to be involved in, in service. But if you're secluded, it's for a reason. I thank God for the years I spent in the background. There were years of learning who God was. Years of learning that I could depend upon him to care for me. Years of, of him sustaining me and letting me know that he could be trusted. Years of understanding and learning that his word, even in the smallest details, could be depended upon. And it was trustworthy. Valuable years. Years of obscurity, but they were valuable because I couldn't have handled the work and the pressures of the ministry if I hadn't had those years. And I've since learned that my experience wasn't unique amongst pastors. And this isn't just a message for pastors or men preparing for the ministry. We are all involved in the ministry. But I have learned that it is not a unique experience that I have had. Alexander McLaren, who I think was one of the finest preachers of the 1800s, a Scotsman, he said this to a group of young ministers. He said, I thank God that I was stuck down in a quiet, little, obscure place to begin my ministry, for that is what spoils half of you young fellows. You get pitchforked into prominent positions at once and then fritter yourselves away in all manner of little engagements that you call duties. Instead of stopping at home and reading your Bibles, I guess that's where they study their Bibles, didn't have many offices then. You read your Bibles and, and getting near to God. I thank God, he said, for the early years of struggle and obscurity. And I have found through my studies and, and research that not only McLaren had that experience, but, but others like G. Campbell Morgan. Obscurity for years. Charles Spurgeon, another great English preacher, uh, Joseph Parker, hidden for years. And what was God doing? Simply laying the foundation of their ministry. So these are not wasted years. And I'm sure there are people here who are struggling with this very issue. You're eager to have an effective ministry. 
You are eager. Your heart's in the right place. You are eager to get going, but somehow you aren't being used like you feel you should be, and the, the doors just haven't opened. You struggle with that, and you wonder what's going on. Listen, take it from the Lord that it's not time for you to graduate from the Brook Bible Institute. I don't know when that time is, but it's not your time. But use this time wisely. Don't struggle with it. Don't fight the Lord. Don't tell him your plans for the great ministry that you want to have. Don't tell him how wonderful you are, all the gifts that you have. You can look around and say, but Lord, I'm so gifted. Elijah could have done that too and said, but Lord, there's nobody else. God said, it's all right. Just follow my plan. See, use this time wisely to do what? Draw close to the Lord. Use this time of, of fellowship with him, getting to know him well, to study the word of God in intense study. Not just, you know, devotions and you don't know what you're reading about, but intense study and get into the word. Invest this time wisely in learning the reality of the living God. That's what God wants. You want an effective ministry, you get to know the Lord better. You know, too many of us want instant Ministry, instant maturity. We live in a world of instant food, instant success, instant. And, and it just doesn't happen that way in the spiritual arena. Men and women of God aren't made overnight. Most Christians look at Paul's ministry and they say, what a guy. What a super guy. Look at that. I would love to be going over the world and starting churches, the romance of missionary work. You know, not only was Paul in the Arabian desert for a while, but Paul was faithful in a little church in a place called Antioch. He was one of the elders there, chapter 13 in the book of Acts, just ministering to the Lord, serving the Lord. And the Lord looked and saw this faithful man, this man who was in the word, this man who was teaching, this man who was really, by all, uh, by all measures, was really hidden and secluded. A little church. In fact, it was the first so-called Gentile church, although they were both Jews and Gentiles, and we don't want to really call any church Gentile or Jewish, but it was the first church where Gentiles were at. And God said, separate Paul and Barnabas for a ministry. And that's what happened. Secluded for a while, and God said, all right, now is the time. See, just be faithful where you're. Just get to know the Lord. Spend time in his word. Minister where you can. Forget about the spotlight. Let God mold you. See, part of your education is to learn to accept the seclusion from the Lord. I'm convinced that that is part of the education, to not fight the Lord. To say, Lord, your will be done. I'm through struggling. I've tried to open doors and they close right in my face. Part of that education of seclusion is to accept his dealings in your life, even if you can't understand them. And that's what God wanted Elijah to learn. So not only did he give him a class in seclusion, but he also gave him a class in submission. Submission 101. Now, we aren't specifically told what went through Elijah's mind when the word of the Lord came to him and said, go hide yourself. We aren't specifically told what went through this prophet's mind. But I think it would be a good guess and a proper guess to say that it wasn't the path that Elijah would have chosen had God given him the choice. Why do I say that? Listen, Elijah was not used to sitting by brooks. Elijah was a robust man. 
He was a fiery individual. He was a rugged mountain man. He wasn't a brook sitter, you know. Elijah was, was a fiery prophet, a man with a zealous disposition. Men like that don't usually choose to sit by brooks and let ravens feed them. His nature and his temperament wasn't the kind that just sat by a brook. But the Bible never says he complained, never says he delayed obedience, never says he argued with the Lord. I would have argued, but not Elijah. And what do we learn from this? We learn submission. Look at verse 5. So he went. So he went. That's all. So he went. And he did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and lived by the brook Kareth, which is east of the Jordan. He just went. No arguing. No debate. No explanation to the Lord. No complaints. He submitted to the will of the Lord immediately, even if it was a difficult thing for him to do personally. See, part of our training at the Brook Bible Institute, part of that training is to learn to submit to the Lord, even if it's a difficult thing that he wants us to do, he tells us to do. Even if it's something you don't understand. Listen, Elijah obeyed and submitted. Now, I want you to get the picture, because this is a picture almost of absurdity. It goes against all common sense to tell a grown man to hide himself indefinitely by a brook so that, so that these birds, unclean birds, by the way, to Israel. Israel was not to eat a bird like this. An unclean bird, a raven, is going to fly some food in. And you think about that. That sounds absurd. But Elijah did it. See, God's word sometimes does sound absurd to us. It really does. But when that happens, what we need to do is simply submit to it, regardless of how you feel, regardless of whether it goes against your human common sense. We obey. We submit. And, you know, this is what God has to teach us before he gives us an effective ministry. It's all part of the training. So why? Why do I have to learn that? Why do I have to learn to do things that don't make sense to me? Because before you can stand in public and tell others to obey the word of the Lord, whether it be salvation, a salvation message of evangelism, witness to an unsaved person, or before believers telling them that they must be committed to the Lord, you've got to learn to submit and be committed to the Lord. God doesn't want people running around giving out his, his message in uh, in salvation messages or commitments of believers and dedication who have never learned to submit themselves. There's no credibility in somebody doing that. You have people laughing in your face if you tell them that. Now, don't cop out and say, ah, oh, that's why I can't be a witness. That's why I can't, you know, that's good. That's good to know because that's why I can't be involved in evangelism because I haven't learned it. Listen, that's a cop out. You learn to submit. That's God's training for you. And if you don't learn, he'll chastise you and he'll discipline you. You learn to submit because you cannot have an effective ministry before others unless you learn these lessons in private. How could Elijah stand on, on the mountain after, the, after this time in private and say, if the Lord be God, then follow him without him, without Elijah following the Lord? This is what the Lord wanted Elijah to learn. Before he could stand before Israel and command them to obey Jehovah, he first needed to obey him. You know, many of us think 
that all God wants us to learn is his word. And that's a half truth. That's just a half truth. He doesn't just want us to learn his word. There's a lot of Christians who have all the knowledge in the world about the word of God. But that's only part of the picture. He wants us to learn his word so that we'll obey his word. It's not a game to, to learn how much you know. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 says that knowledge puffs up. Just knowing the Bible without obeying it makes you a proud, arrogant, theological egghead. But James says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Now, you've got to hear the word, but then you've got to do the word. And Jesus said, if you continue in my word, which means obedience to my word, then you prove to be my disciples. See, God wants us to learn the word so we'll obey and we'll submit. You cannot, you just absolutely cannot have an effective ministry, no matter how much knowledge you have, if you aren't obedient and submissive to God's will. Now, we're not talking about perfection. We're talking about consistency now. We're talking about desire. We're talking about your heart saying, I'm submitted to the will of the Lord before I even know what that will is, his will is. That's why in the New Testament, God lays down spiritual guidelines in choosing elders and deacons. You know that? God doesn't want a leader who, who hasn't learned first to obey him. Because only those who are themselves submissive to the Lord, only those people can speak with any kind of credibility and any kind of authority in calling others to submit to the Lord. In fact, it's good to mark down your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 says this. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the outcome of their way of life, imitate their faith. First thing, the writer to the Hebrews says this. Look, I want you to see the leaders, and I want you to look at them and see that they have a, a life that's worth copying. Obedient, submissive leadership. But then he says in verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. What's he saying? The first thing he's saying is, look, these men are obedient themselves. And, and since they're obedient, they're the kind of people that you can obey, that you can submit to. See, God, God takes a man and a woman and puts them in an effective public ministry when they've learned to be obedient, and that takes place in private. It's those private lessons, those scenes, uh, those times rather behind the scenes where nobody else is around, but you're learning to submit, and you're learning to obey, and you're learning to do what the Lord wants you to do, those, those private struggles that nobody else knows about. That's what builds character. That's what moves you along in the, in the classroom and in the Bible Institute by the brook. So Elijah learns the lessons of seclusion and submission. But there's still one more lesson he needs to learn by the brook, and that is his sustenance or his supply or who sustains him. Elijah needs to learn firsthand that it's God who sustains him. Why is this important? Because the people of Israel in that day didn't look to the Lord to sustain them. They looked to the false god Baal to sustain them. Let me tell you just a little bit about Baal. I failed to uh, bring this out in the first message dealing with Elijah. But Baal was considered the, the god of the sun. 
And he was the one, they said, who gave them the crops that sustained them. Anything that grew, anything that was produced, was attributed to Baal. You see what God has done? God said, all right, you think, you think Baal is the one who can do it? I'm going to show you who's in, in charge. See if he can produce rain. I'm going to shut the heavens up. See, God met Baal right at his strength. If there was no Baal, the New Testament tells us that the false gods are simply demons. But the point is this, is that the, the Jewish people in that day and age felt that Baal would meet their needs. He would have things grow. He would have the crops be produced. But it's really Jehovah who's in charge of that. And God's going to give Elijah a very special lesson on who sustains him. Elijah knew theologically that it wasn't Baal, but he needed to know experientially that it was the Lord. See, it's one thing to preach. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But it's really another thing to prove the reality of that truth, isn't it? You may believe that. You may tell others that God can meet your needs. You may tell others that God can meet their needs. But you won't really be very effective if you're not sure about that yourself. So God has to teach us this lesson. And that's what he's doing with Elijah. The Lord wanted him to have a unique lesson in how he supplied his needs. Look at verse 6. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he would drink from the brook. God sustained Elijah by means, by means of two ways. Two means. Number one was the natural way. The natural supply, and that was the water from the brook. That was the water from the brook. There was another means by which he supplied his needs, and that was the supernatural way, which was by the ravens bringing him bread and meat in the morning and evening. Now, this is an amazing miracle. We might just pass over this quickly without realizing it. Do you realize that God had to completely change the nature of the ravens to feed Elijah? I don't know much about ravens. But I do know this. A raven is a bird that devours large quantities of food. Actually, I didn't know a whole lot until this week. But I do know now because I looked it up. A raven devours large quantities of food. They're greedy and they're known to be gluttonous when it comes to food. In fact, we get our word ravenous, ravenous, whichever way you want to pronounce it. That means someone who is who is has a huge appetite Someone who is gluttonous, greedy appetite. Listen, God completely changed their nature. They, by, by nature, they would have eaten that food. They don't share it with anybody, especially a lone prophet by a brook. God was simply training Elijah to trust him, to depend on him, to believe his word, to obey him. And the Lord wanted Elijah to know that he could and he would sustain him in all circumstances. He could stand now before the prophets and not be afraid. God would sustain him. He could stand before Ahab's soldiers and not be afraid. He didn't learn the lesson, by the way, that he could stand before Jezebel. Not be afraid. It's another thing when it's a woman, right? But see, it shouldn't be another thing. God was teaching him that he sustains him. Not to fear anybody else and not to look to anybody else to meet his needs. Israel was experiencing famine as a result of their sin. But Elijah was eating. 
and eating well. He didn't have lunch, but he was eating well. Morning and evening, but he was eating well. And uh, he was eating as a result of what? His obedience. And one of the lessons that God must teach us is that he'll supply our needs, what? If we obey. You know, sometimes we think, and I've said this many times, we don't have a blanket promise from the Lord that he's going to meet the, the need of, of every Christian. No, only obedient Christians. Obedience and submission go hand in hand. You have to want what God wants in order to actually do what God wants. It's been great sharing this time together in the Word of God. We are learning so much from the life of Elijah. You are going to want to listen every day as this series continues. In case you miss a message, you can listen online or download any message from our website, versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G. You can call us for help at 727-239-0306. We'd love to hear from you and even pray for you when you call. Would you consider helping our ministry by giving financially? You can give online at our website, over the phone, or by mail. Our mailing address is Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. I'm Jerry Pruden. For Pastor Steve, I thank you for tuning in today. Join us next time on Verse by Verse. here to give you strength between